O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. If it's your first Sunday tuning in with us, I want to say a special welcome to you. If you want to take that step in connecting with us this week, you can do so by going to our website, newcity.us connect. And hey, Christmas is right around the corner, and we're so excited about all that's happening here at New City. You can go to our website we put together just for this purpose, christmasatnewcity.us, learn about our service times and locations, as well as download an Advent guide there. And I'm joined today by RJ, our executive pastor. RJ, tell us a little bit about our Christmas serve offering this year. Sure, thank you, Ron, and it's great to be with you and excited to talk about our Christmas serve offering this year. If you've been a part of New City, you know we did one last year. And if you haven't been a part of New City and you've just joined us, we do a serve offering every year during our Christmas Eve services. And 100% of everything donated goes back to our partners. Now, last year, we were overwhelmed with your generosity in supporting our two local partners last year. This year, we have two local partners we've selected and a global partner. So locally, we're excited to partner with Crisis Assistance Ministries and with Matthew's Help Center. And then globally, we're gonna be partnering with Mana Nutrition, which is actually an organization based in Matthews, North Carolina, that works all over the globe, combating severe acute malnutrition. And I had a chance to sit down with Carol of Crisis Assistance this past week. So here's a look at that conversation. Hey, New City family, I'm Ron. I'm joined today by Carol of Crisis Assistance Ministry here in Charlotte. So Carol, tell us a little bit about your organization. What do you guys do? So Crisis Assistance Ministry was founded by the faith community when pastors realized that families were going from church to church seeking help in a financial crisis. So pastors came together and said, why don't we pool our funds so that they don't have to hop around from church to church all day. They can go to one place that will be the safety net for the community. How has this year, 2020, with COVID and everything going on, how has this affected your ministry and the work you're doing in Charlotte? Um, it's It's been unimaginable, except for the fact that I see it happening every day. We are a financial emergency room, so it is the central place that people come. There was an actual lobby with two to 300 people in it every day. Um, obviously, overnight, that was impossible. And so we moved to a curbside drive through model. We saw people doing it for food and COVID testing. And, and it works. And so our caseworkers are mostly at home, largely because they have children that are in school or family that's at risk, they can't leave. And so um, we've adjusted with technology at home and people enjoy the curbside model. Wow, no, that's great. Tell us a little bit about a story that you have of a person or a family that's really been impacted by your ministry and what you guys are doing. There are so many um, and they're so amazing. I will say um, I've been there 20 years. I started when I was about 12 and um, I have never seen people um, so, I think, scared and or fearful. And so as much as I hate to see that, I'm loving the fact that we are able to give them that hope and say, you know, this community is responding. So for example, um, there's a mom who is also a grandmother, grew up middle class, her parents were teachers, and um, was raising her daughter who needs surgery every six months. And overnight, both incomes and the family were gone, wow. zero. 
Um, and so she's trying to figure out how to maybe drive Uber or people are donating plasma right now. They're doing anything they can do to get some money. But um, we are thankfully able to step up and help people like that. Wow, that's huge. Well, tell us a little bit about um, how churches, churches like ours, like our New City family, what, what do we mean to you and, and your ministry and the work that you're doing in Charlotte? I'll say there is no crisis assistance ministry without people like you. Um, the need has never been greater. And what I mean by that is normally a person only needs one month's worth of assistance. They have an unexpected bump in the road and maybe lost some hours at work. Um, or maybe they had an unexpected medical expense. And within one month, they're going to be okay. Today, people are needing three and four months worth of assistance. And we just don't have that kind of money in the bank, if you will. And so people like you and this community allow us to say yes and give them hope. Yeah, wow. Well, Carol, it's an honor to partner with you on behalf of the whole New City family. It's so great to serve alongside you and see the work that you're doing here in Charlotte. So thanks for joining us. Well, it is such an honor to be part um, of your service today, and we cannot thank you enough. Hey, what's up, New City Church? Wherever you are, let's go ahead and raise our voices. Let's raise our hands. Let's celebrate the Christmas season. Come on, let's do this together. Angels, we
search the world But it couldn't fill me Oh, it's empty praise Treasures of fate I'm never enough That you came along And you put me back together And every desire is now satisfied Here in love, Jesus Oh, there's nothing better than you There's nothing better than you No, there's nothing Nothing is better
stand firm in that truth that there is nothing in this world or out of this world that is better than you, Jesus. We're so grateful that we get to sit and, and, and be in this season where we celebrate a God who did not ask more of us that we couldn't give, but instead came and gave the best of himself. You're so good to us, Jesus. So God, we ask that you would bless this time of worship. Bless our hearts and our ears and our minds as we hear a word from our pastor that we would not only hear from him, but he would be a conduit by which we hear from you. And we ask God that you would be glorified in this time together. In your name we pray, amen. In 1926, a man named George Harley founded a, a medical mission in Liberia. He moved his entire family there, and all the locals there were, were very receptive to the doctor and, of course, his practice there. He treated, this is amazing, he treated over 10,000 patients in just the first year of being there in Liberia, but, but no one came to the chapel that he founded. Part of his mission, of course, as a missionary was to go there and to preach Jesus. And so along with the medical mission, they also founded a chapel. But for the first five years, not one person from the village came to the chapel on Sunday to hear about Jesus from Dr. Harley. Shortly after, after the doctor and his wife arrived in, in Liberia, she gave birth to their, their first child, Robert. Uh, the, the boy grew up on the edge of the forest there in Liberia. And uh, as Mrs. Harley said, he was the apple of our eye. We, we loved our, our little boy. But one day when he was almost five years old, she was looking at him uh, across the medical dispensary and seeing him do what he normally did, what five-year-old boys do, running, and he fell down. And as she watched, he got up and ran some more and fell down again, but this time he didn't get up. Uh, they ran to him and uh, grabbed him uh, in their arms and realized that he had a, a raging fever. And uh, she said to her boy, don't worry, Bobby, your daddy knows how to treat this tropical fever. He's going to help you get better. Dr. Harley tried everything he knew to treat his son, Bobby, but nothing helped. The fever raged. And in a short few days, the disease took the boy's life. The parents were, of course, distraught with grief, just as we would be. And uh, the missionary went to his workshop and, and built a small coffin for his son. Harley placed Robert inside and nailed the lid shut. And he lifted the coffin on his shoulder and walked towards a, a clearing in the field in the vi village to, to dig a grave for his, his first child. One of the old men in the village saw him and asked about the box. And when Harley explained to him that his son had died and that he was burying him, the old man offered to, to come and help him carry the coffin and dig the grave. Dr. Harley told a friend what happened next. So the old man came and took one into the coffin and carried it with me. Eventually, we came to a clearing in the forest there. We dug a grave and, and there laid Bobby in it. But when we had covered up the grave, I, I, I just couldn't stand it any longer. And I broke down and I wept. I fell to my knees in the dirt, dirt and began to sob uncontrollably. My beloved son was dead and there was nothing I could do. 
I was in the middle of an African jungle, 8,000 miles away from my home and all of our relatives. I felt so alone and confused. But when I started crying, the old man cocked his head in stunned amazement looking at me. He squatted down beside me and stared at me intently. For a long time, he sat there listening to me sob. And then suddenly he leapt to his feet, running back into the village, screaming again and again and again at the top of his lungs. He cries like us. He cries like us. He's just like us. That evening, as Harley and his wife grieved alone in their cottage, there came a knock at the door. Harley opened it, and there stood the chief and almost every man, woman, and child in the village around their cottage. That Sunday, the, village was fill, the, the chapel was filled with, with all the people in the village. It was, it was overflowing. They wanted to hear about Jesus from the man who was just like them. Everything changed when the villagers saw the, the tears of the missionary and realized he was just like them. And the message of Christmas as we begin our series today is just that that Jesus became just like us, that God took on a face just like mine, just like yours, so that one day we might be able to see his face. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14, verse nine, if you have seen me, if you've seen my face, you have seen the Father. Everything changed at Christmas when God came to us to be just like us, to explain himself to us. C.S. Lewis said it this way, God became like us so that one day we might become like him. Isn't that awesome? God came to this earth to be like us so that one day through a relationship with him, by grace, through faith, we might become like God. A couple of weeks ago, Jen and I were shopping in Costco uh, Saturdays have become our, our date days. And uh, even if we're in Costco shopping together, we're trying to enjoy time together. Maybe you're like that too. In this busy season, you're just trying to find ways to be with the people that you love. And so as we're buying in bulk in Costco, we're talking about our week, weeks and, and sharing life together. And I noticed, uh, we noticed as we were shopping that they were playing Christmas songs in Costco on the intercom. And this song came on, What Child Is This? And I found myself sort of singing along, you know, to all the familiar Christmas songs. And, and here were the lyrics that were being played in Costco on Saturday for everybody to hear as they were busy filling their carts with bulk items. What child is this who was laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet and anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? This, this is Christ the King, and you know the rest. This amazing proclamation of who Jesus is, that, that God came to us to become just like one of us. And, and what was amazing standing there in Costco is everything is busy and, 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 and people are going about their, their, their stressful, busy lives. Here's this amazing proclamation coming through the intercoms about who Jesus is. You know, Christmas gives us the opportunity to, to contemplate fresh and anew who is Jesus. 
Why did he come to us? What, what child is this? And so this year, 2020, we're going to take that song, What Child Is This, that great Christmas hymn, and use it for our Christmas series. We're going to ask that question again, fresh and anew. What child is this? And we're going to wrestle with the answers that the Bible gives to us. Because again, for, the, for some of you, you've, you've, you've answered that question years ago. For some of you, you're wrestling with that question right now as you watch today. Who is Jesus? And, and why did he come? And what implications does that have on my, my, my life? So wherever you might be on the faith, perspective. I, I want to encourage you to, to lean into this series. As we ask this question, what child is this? Who is Jesus? And what effect, what implication does it have on my life? Throughout the Bible, there's a lot of different names and, and titles, if you will, that are, that are given for Jesus to answer this question, what child is this? And we're going to take four of them over the next four weeks together as we walk through this Christmas series together. And here's just an overview really quickly of where we're going. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus being the Lion of Judah from Revelation chapter 5. And next week, I hope you'll come back, we're going to talk about Jesus being the Lamb of God from, from John chapter 1. The following week, we're going to talk about him being the light of the world from John chapter 8. And then we're going to finish out the final worship uh, service of 2020 by, by Jesus being the, the Lord of all, as he's described in the Bible from Philippians chapter 2. So I want to just encourage you and invite you to be a part of this series with us as we, as we ask this all-important question that's surrounding us right now at Christmas time: What child is this? And today we're going to start our series together in Revelation chapter 5 with this name that's given for Jesus, the Lion of Judah. And we're gonna talk about why this is so important and how that name, that title helps to explain to each of us. Again, no matter where we are on the faith spectrum today, it helps to explain who is Jesus and what child is this? Why did he come to be just like one of us and to be in relationship with us? So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Revelation chapter five? And I'm gonna read the first six verses and I wanna encourage you to read along with me. If you're following along on the New City app, the, the outline for the sermon is there. You can take some notes and the scripture is preloaded there as well from Revelation chapter five, Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll and it was written within on the back sealed with seven seals. Verse two, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. Verse four, and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. This is an amazing passage because we're looking into the throne room of heaven itself. And we're looking through the lens, through the eyes of the apostle John as God gives him this vision. So of course, the book of Revelation, and as we're in Revelation 5 today, it's the final book in the council of God in the scriptures. And it's apocalyptic in nature, meaning that it's an uncovering. Apocalyptic comes from a, a Greek word that means to unearth or reveal or uncover. And that's what Revelation does. It shows us into the future, 
but it also shows those implications for the present and things that have happened in the past. And that's exactly what's happening in our passage today in Revelation 5. It's describing something that's already been done, but it has applications that are ongoing for the present. And you'll, you'll notice as we, as we read the passage together that there's, there's this scroll in the hand of God the Father who is seated on the throne in this, in this throne room. If you can close your eyes where you are right now and just imagine what John was experiencing as he saw this vision of heaven. And God the Father is on the throne and he has this scroll in his hand. And the scroll, most commentators believe, just by way of a little bit of context here for our passage, the scroll contained uh, the Lamb's book of life. So in other words, for those of us who are followers of Jesus or who will be followers of Jesus, your name was written in this scroll. And, and John is, 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 is looking at the scroll and, and they're asking the, 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 the ones who are surrounding, the elders and everyone who's in heaven, who can open the scroll? Who can, who can break the seals? And again, just by way of context, in, in Hebrew literature, a scroll contained usually a, a secret piece of information or a decree or something that was, was very unique and special. And certainly this scroll does as well. It's, it's God's revelation and his plan for salvation for you and for me. That's, that's what's in the scroll. And unless it can be opened, God's plan can't come to pass. So they're asking the question, who can open this? Who can break the seal so that God's plan can, can, can come to pass, so that Christmas can happen? And, and, and John begins to weep because he realizes that there's no one who is worthy to open the scroll. Look at verse 4, Revelation 5. Nobody's worthy. Nobody is holy and able to, to break the seal and open up the scroll. God's plan for you and for me, for salvation, to, to be in relationship with him, the whole reason for Christmas. So in his weeping, in his tears, in his crying, one of the elders says, weep no more. Look at it with me again in verse five. Don't weep anymore. Behold the lion. Here's the name of Jesus that we're talking about today. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. In other words, Jesus is worthy. He's the only one who is worthy to, to break the seal, to open the scroll and to bring about God's redemptive plan for you and for me, and there's that name, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So what does this mean? What does it mean when, we, when we're asking and wrestling this question, what child is this? Who is Jesus? And, and what effect does this have on my busy life right now, my stressful life where I'm confused and frustrated? Or maybe I'm hopeful. Maybe I'm happy today. No matter where, where this finds you, what, what, what implication does this have on my life today? Well, let me, let me just offer three things about this name, the, the, the Lion of Judah, and, and what it might mean for you and for me today. What child is this? Jesus, the Lion of Judah. The first is that he's the fulfillment of prophecy. And you say, well, Chris, what, what does that mean? Well, it means that everything that's happened in the scriptures, because remember, Revelation is the last of the books in the, in the scripture, the 66th book, book in the Bible. Everything that happens before is leading up to this. And it's fulfilled through the person and the work of Jesus. Specifically, what happens in the Hebrew Testament or the Old Testament, the 39 books of the Hebrew Testament, everything points to this Messiah, this one who will come, Jesus himself. And he's named the Lion of Judah even long before uh, John has this revelation in Revelation chapter 5. So the name uh, or the, the, um, the word lion is used over 150 times in the Hebrew Testament. In fact, this is kind of interesting. It's the most most used animal name in the Hebrew Testament. 
And oftentimes it is describing this Messiah, this, this one who will come and conquer. So, of course, when we think about a lion, we think about, you know, like courage. Like what, what do you think about when you think about a lion? You think about so, uh, something that is the, the king of the jungle, right? We call the lion the king of the jungle, the conqueror. We think about strength and we think about boldness. And all these are great names to describe who Jesus is and the fulfillment of who he would be in prophecy. But if we go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, we're, we're starting today in Revelation. If you go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and you look at chapter 49, we see this phrase, uh, the, the lion, to describe Jesus who who would come so many years later. And it's in the context of Jacob blessing his sons. You can go back and read it for yourself in chapter 49. And he's blessing his sons. And he says specifically to Judah, you are a lion cub, meaning you're going to rule in leadership over your other brothers. You're going to be the first of the tribes. You're going to be the first of your, among your siblings. And we know you say, what does this have to do with Jesus? Well, Jesus prophetically, he comes from the line of Judah. He comes from the tribe of Judah. And we know this even from our Advent reading this past week and, and Matthew chapter one and, and Hebrew chapter seven, Hebrews chapter seven, Jesus is listed as the, the coming from the tribe of Judah. So, so we know know that as he was being described there by Jacob to, to his son, that you're going to be in leadership. Ultimately, he's describing Jesus prophetically who would come so many years later. He's also named the, the root of David here. What, what does that mean? It means that he comes out of the house of David, out of the house of King David. You can go and read that in Isaiah chapter 11. Specifically, what, what John is, is, is uh, the revelation that's coming to him is that Jesus was going to be the fulfillment of all the prophecies, everything that was written, all the hopes and the dreams of the people of, of God hinge on the person and the completed work of Jesus. So first and foremost, when we talk about Jesus being the line of Judah, we're capturing, check this out. We're capturing everything that has been written in the Hebrew scriptures, Right. We're capturing that through the person and the work of Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all of that prophecy. All, all of the, the, the many strands of the Old Testament expectations, if you will, if you think about it in this way, all the strands of Old Testament expectations and writings and prophecies, they're all gathered up in the person and the work of Jesus. And so uh, a Hebrew would have known when, they, when, when this title was given for Jesus, the Lion of Judah, what that would have meant. How all those strands would have been gathered up into this person called Jesus that we know today. Remember when Andrew in John chapter 1 uh, tells his brother uh, about Jesus, he says, we have found the Messiah and the Messiah was the fulfillment of the prophecy. Everything that was, was written, Jesus himself. The, the word Messiah is a summary term that, again, gathers up all of these words that have been written through the person and the work of Christ. He's the Lion of Judah. He's the fulfillment of prophecy. He's also the conqueror of, of sin, secondly. What implication does this have in my life? What difference does it make that Jesus is the Lion of Judah? Well, he is the strong conqueror of all of my sin, past, present, and future. And that's good news for us that God has come and conquered sin on our behalf. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Let me, let me say it this way. Christmas begins what Easter finishes. The, the child that was laid to rest in Mary's arms grows up 
and becomes a conquering king for us. He conquers sin on the cross for us. Jesus alone is worthy to be worshiped as the lion who has conquered death and sin for all time, past, present, and future for us. And I want you to look at verse five again, because as, as John is, is describing the lion of Judah, the root of David, as, as the elder is saying to him, weep no more because, because of, of who Jesus is, he says he has conquered sin. He's conquered so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals. Has conquered, past tense. In other words, the point of victory where Jesus conquered was not, is not the end of revelation or the end of times. The point of victory where the line of Judah has conquered is the cross. It was on the cross that Jesus conquered sin for you and for me. And so as we think about Jesus being the line of Judah, we should think about him being bold. We should think about him uh, being the one who conquers. We should think about him being the leader, the only one who could conquer sin and death for us for all times. And it's, what's interesting as we go back to our passage here, if you look at verse six, the last verse that we read today, Jesus is also described as a what? As a lamb. So this juxtaposition of, of tension here in Revelation 5, verse 5 and verse 6 is, is really the heart of Christianity. That Jesus, yes, he is the, the lion of Judah, the conqueror of sin, past, present, and future for all time for all of us. But he's also the lamb that was slain. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But for today, it's important for us in Revelation 5 to circle this and see this tension. Because in this tension between verse 5 and verse 6 is the heart of who Christ is. He he came uh, to conquer sin and death, but but he did that through his own death. The the mighty lion is, is paired with a meek and humble lamb. So the victory point was not through his, his own violence and conquering other people. It was actually violence that was enacted upon him on the cross. He conquered not by force, but by death, not by violence, but by martyrdom. The lion became a lamb. And if you skip ahead here in verses 9 and 10, we'll see John and the elders and all of creation seeing Jesus for who he really is, which is the whole point of our Christmas series. What child is this? Seeing Jesus fully for who he is. And they begin to sing to him a new song. And they say, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For Listen to this. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe, every language, every people, every nation, you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. That's you and that's me. And that's amazing. That God takes people from every walk of life and he makes a people for God through his death by conquering sin, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves through the cross. Jesus conquered sin. He's the lion of Judah who conquers, but he's also the lamb that was slain. And finally, here's the third thing about this this name, the lion of Judah. Who, Who is Jesus? As he's described in the scriptures here, he's the king of kings. He's the king of kings. We had the opportunity to be in South Africa several years ago, uh, preaching at different churches. And we had a couple days off and we went for a game ride in Kruger. And if you've ever been there, you've ever experienced that, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to see lions and other animals in the wild, in, in their own environment. And there's nothing like seeing a lion in their own environment because they fear no one. <laughs> they don't fear anyone or anything, including us. And we were on a game truck riding and we got the chance to see a lion. 
and he was uh, taking a nap in the middle of the road. And after about 15, 20 minutes, you know, there's probably six, seven of us in the truck and everyone's taking pictures, of course. And he's just laying there hanging out, uh, doesn't have a care in the world, doesn't get, isn't paying us any attention. You know, maybe once he just kind of looked at us kind of funny and then went back to sleep. And after about 15 minutes, I, I, I said to um, uh, our guide, you know, what, what, what happens next? What, what are we going to do next? I mean, we're, we're, just, we're just sitting here. We've taken all the pictures we can take. It's amazing. But like, what, what are we going to do now? And I'll never forget the guy looked straight at me and he said, we don't do anything. We wait because he's the king. We wait because Jesus is the king. All of the world, all of our lives are in his hands. We wait on the Lord today because he is worthy. He's worthy to wait on. He's the king of kings who is the Lord of lords for all time. So in this season of of wondering, many of us wonder, you know, who is Jesus? Who will he be in my life? Who will be in my marriage as a parent, as a, as a business person in my, my job and my stress right now? And in this year, 2020, what child is this? And our wondering and our waiting, may we be reminded today straight from the scriptures, the bottom line, what child is this? That Jesus is the lion of Judah. He's the fulfillment of all the prophecies that are fulfilled in him. All those strands are, are pulled together in the person and the work of Jesus. But he's also the conqueror of sin, of your sin, of my sin, past, present, and future. And finally, he's the king. He's the king of kings. So we wait on him. This, this is Christ the king, whose shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him long. Law, the babe, the son of Mary. To him alone be the glory today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you are the lion of Judah. And as we, as we wrestle with this question fresh and anew, what child is this? Who, who, who are you? We go to the scriptures. We go to the scriptures and we, we see a revelation of, of who you are. And we wait for you this Christmas. And if some of us, we wait and we wander in, in pain and frustration and, and, and questions. Some of us wait and wander in, in hope and in fears and in doubts. And in all of these emotions and all of these experiences together, would you help us, Jesus, this year to see you for who you really are and to experience you fully for who you are and who you came to be for us? Give us the wisdom today to know what you're speaking to us through your word. And as we go today, would you give us the faith and the courage to obey for your glory. In the name of Jesus, the Lion of Judah, amen. So, so good.
no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, I you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City family.